You know, when it comes to wireless carriers, sometimes what you see isn't always what you get. Except with Visible. With Visible, what you see is exactly what you get. If you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. With Visible, there are no hidden fees, no fine print, no hassle, nothing to hide. It's just $25 a month, all taxes and fees included. And you don't need more than one line of wireless to save. You can save on a line all to yourself with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. And again, just $25 a month. The future of wireless is here and it is transparent. If you want more transparency in your wireless plan, you want to be on the Visible plan. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com. That's Visible.com. Monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. This episode of GameScoop is sponsored by Squarespace. If you're looking for a way to make your business stand out and succeed online, Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for you. They take the stress out of creating an awesome website, engaging with your audience, and selling anything from products to content to time so you're able to focus on, you know, everything else. In other words, you'll have more time for gaming. With the new guided design system, you can choose from curated layouts and styling options to build a unique online presence from the ground up, optimized for every device. And with Squarespace's integrated, optimized SEO tools, you'll show up more often to more people. Squarespace doesn't just make things easier for you. Checkout for your customers is made seamless with simple but powerful payment tools that allow you to accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay, and in eligible countries, offer the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay. So whether you're just starting out or looking to expand your existing brand, be sure to visit squarespace.com for a free trial, and when you're ready to launch, go to squarespace.com gamescoop to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. That's squarespace.com gamescoop for 10% off. What's up, everybody? Welcome to IGN GameScoop. I'm your host, Damon Hatfield. I'm joined today by Greg Miller, Justin Davis, Ooh. and Colin Moriarty. Yeah. We've got a very special GameScoop plan for you today. This is the big RPG preview. We're going to be going down 30 RPGs, 30 upcoming RPGs. That That's are a lot of RPGs. Supposed mm. to come out this year. Okay. Mm. Uh, of course, you know, some of those will slip. But as of, as of now, the company line is that these games are supposed to come out this year, even though about half of them don't have release dates yet. I thought this was the uh, Flappy Bird spoiler cast. <laughs> what happens when you get to the end? When you, get to, when you go up one of the tubes? That's actually, that's after this. Just as an aside, if I hear about this game one more time, I'm going to lose it. I know, I'm actually going to lose it. I know my, a lot of people in this yeah. office are really sick of hearing about All I want to say is Flappy that Flappy Bird. Birds is the Mario Brothers of my generation, so you have to get out of the way. I've been saying that for years. I thought years. Ghost House was the Mario Brothers <laughs> of your generation. Is the jam. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Mick. 30 RPGs that are coming up. Uh, we said about half of them don't have release dates yet. Some of the biggest ones, some of the most anticipated RPGs out there, like The Witcher 3, Dragon Age, Inquisition, right, right. supposed to be out this year but don't have release dates mm. yet. But let's actually start with the games, there's about 14 or so that do have release dates and are coming up in the next few months all the way through May. We don't have any release dates past May 14th, mid-May, which, and then right after that, shortly uh, following that will be E3, right? So we'll have me announcements then, release dates will be announced. But. Do you think it's something like the Mayan calendar, where it's just, it just yeah. ends in May because that's the, the end RPG of it. calendar? I think yeah. it is something <laughs> like the Mayan calendar. <laughs> Thank you. Greg's just saying what we're all thinking. <laughs> I'm just preparing everybody. Is there a reason, do we want to get into... Yeah, well, yeah, that starts us off. Today, the, this episode's going up on February 7th, which is the day Bravely Default <gasps> is out on the 3DS. In the United States. Yeah, and we're actually giving away a 3DS XL today on the show. This 
You're, someone watching this is going to win this. Oh my gosh. And it comes with a copy of Bravely Default. Whoa. Bravely it, Default. Can it be me? It cannot be you. Oh. No. Wait, Sleep. It's not you. <laughs> the way you win this is a uh, comment uh, in the co- comment section under this video. Just tell us what your favorite RPG of all time is and why. We will wait in there. And, and that's where you one. insert ghost house. <laughs> yeah. And whoever picks the correct answer will win the 3DS. <laughs> Whoever's yeah. favorite game is our favorite game. You say Suikoden, you win. No, that's not actually true. Say whatever you want. Um, Bravely Default out on 3DS, one of the first big RPGs of the year. Uh, the consensus, IGN gave it an 8.6, mm-hmm. good reviews from the press all around. The consensus seems to be, uh, you know, JRPGs get, can get a bad rap for being traditional and sort of stuck in the past, but everyone that plays this seems to be, I think this is an example of what's good about JRPGs. Mm. It's pretty for sure. It's absolutely gorgeous. I love the game style. There is some cosmetic changes from the Japanese version. A little bit of controversy surrounding this one, which hopefully doesn't overshadow you know, the quality of the gameplay, but they did uh, censor it coming out in the United States. They put a little bit more clothes yeah, on the character. Lightly censored. It's lightly just, censored. They just put, a, you know, like you say, more clothes on a few of the characters. Sure. And they changed the age. And they, changed, they aged them up. Aged them up to make it yeah. make more sense for American audiences. Yeah, yeah I, can't, I can't say I agree that it looks beautiful. Actually, I think it actually looks aged to me. But, is, the, yeah, but the... You're used to the OLED Oh, the OLED? Yeah. Oh, that beautiful. The Vita. But, but I am super, super excited about this game. I'm, I'm really really excited to actually play it because yeah. this is a Final Fantasy game. Yep. Mm. You know, and that without being called Final Fantasy because only mediocre or bad games can be called Final Fantasy today. So they, <laughs> they took the, the formula that made the great <laughs> Final Fantasy games and they made Bravely Default. And I'm, I'm super, super excited about this game because I do think it is a return to form with classes and, and you know, a deep system of side quests and exploration and stuff like that. I, I'm, I'm, I'm super stoked to play it. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, it seems like one of those games where I don't have a tremendous amount of time to play, you know, traditional old-school RPGs, except for this is the time of year. Like, it's slower. We had Fire Emblem come out last year at this time, put right. a lot of time into the 3DS on that. So it's like I'm totally looking forward to sort of sinking my teeth into something a little bit slower-paced and old-school. Mm-hmm. I went to download it. Yeah, and then I didn't have enough blocks on my SD card. You got to so get more blocks. Went and played Mario Kart instead. <laughs> yeah, I got close though. Mm-hmm. It was uh, developed by Silicon Studio. The guys made 3D Dot Heroes. Yeah, excellent mm-hmm. game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really, really cool game. Uh, yeah, uh, there's every reason to be excited about this game. I think, and you know, yeah, like Justin brought up, you know, Fire Emblem, which was a really cool game on on 3DS that people spent a lot of time with. It seems like. This is going to be another meaty, meaty sort of game for you to sink your teeth into. Probably get a good bang for your buck. For sure. Yeah. That old school Final Fantasy comparison is spot on, too. Um, you know, it seems like they definitely want this to be, you know, be a franchise that will go on and will get sequels and sort of have that formula grow in the way that old school Final Fantasies did. And then, speaking of Final Fantasy, next week we get Lightning Returns Final Fantasy 13. That review is going up on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> Shame on you, <laughs> fool me 13 times. <laughs> Can't get excited about this game, but the, you know... But Lightning's back, Colin. Thank God. It's, what I'm really confused about with Final Fantasy 13 and their specific arc with 13 is, there's a few, actually there's like a million things I'm confused about, but I'm just confused about why they keep going back to this character, why they keep sequelizing this game, yeah. and why it comes at the, you know, at the sake of going back and maybe revisiting some other games that, that you know, in Final Fantasy, you know, lore and canon that they could go back and spruce up or sequelize. Sure. Uh, and it, it frustrates me to no end, actually. But I mean, Colin, Colin, how, was, how, how excited do you get at the Tomb Raider armor? That may all be true, but I know you're excited about that Tomb Raider. Yeah, I, well, that, that was really the game changer for me. A, and I, I think it's I, a paid costume. I went and pre-ordered it. <laughs> uh, but you, know, you know, I, I haven't played, you know, 13.3. I don't know if it's going to be any good or bad. I just don't understand the approach with this game. And they keep selling worse, actually, too. 
Lightning Returns was actually outsold in Japan by Final Fantasy X, X2 uh, HD on Vita and yeah. PS3. So it's, a, I think, a, a good sign maybe to Square Enix that maybe you've got to focus on some of these other classics or go back to you know, your roots like you're doing with Bravely Default. Well, it is supposed to conclude the Final Fantasy XIII storyline. Mm -hmm. So maybe we can put that to rest. Uh, there are more Final Fantasies coming up, but the next one coming up chronologically on February 25th is Tales of Symphonia Chronicles for the PS3. Lots of PS3 RPGs still coming yeah, out. Yeah, PS3 is a, is, is a, is a yeah. huge JRPG machine. PlayStation generally is just getting yeah. a lot of exclusive RPGs. But, um, and that's really what's going to keep PS3 going for the next 12 to 18 months, I think. Uh, Symphonia came out on GameCube in 2004 and is, was actually the highest-selling uh, Tales game uh, until Tales of Exilia came out. It was the first Tales game? No. Am I crazy about the that? The fifth, I think. Tales yeah, I think Tales have been going on for a while. Fantasia oh, and... You just, we didn't want to break oh. it to you. You've been in a coma. <laughs> Symphonia was the first one Symphonia I played. Symphonia and some reason. Destiny. And, okay. Yeah. So this is an HD remaster. Of the GameCube 1 plus the Wii era, yeah. I think 2008, Dawn of the New World yeah. sequel uh, that I never played. But Symphonia is well remembered um, and for good reason. So it's a really good game. Yeah, um, that, that might be one of the last JRPGs that I actually... Like, I play a lot of RPGs, but mainly Western ones, and it's the last JRPG that I really remember like loving wholeheartedly and really like losing myself in. Yeah. Yeah, I would totally be jazzed to play an HD remake. Well then, on March 4th, the very, very long-awaited South Park, The Stick mm. of Truth, finally arrives. I know people are really excited about that one. Uh, among IGN readers, it's one of the most anticipated RPGs. How do you sure. think it's going to shake down, Damon? Uh, everything we're hearing... in development forever. But <laughs> we're hearing, people who have played it, we're hearing good things. Okay. You know. Obsidian made it. I mean, they, they have a good track record. They're a good right? studio. Those guys. It's ridiculous that Obsidian made this game in a good way. Like, it's unbelievable. Like, you know, some people give their games a hard time for being uh, buggy and stuff like that and having technical issues, but no one faults their ability to design an RPG and write an incredible RPG. And, like, the deep involvement of Trey and Matt, I mean, I yeah. absolutely I mean, they expect really this have game. Been yeah. Involved every step of the way. It yeah. looks like a labor of love. I, I can't believe how much it looks like an episode of the TV show. Like you really do play. It like delivers on that hype of like it's like playing the show. And usually that's some weird like marketing speak. But like, I mean, they wrote it, and that's one of the reasons it yeah. took so long to get out is that they poured over the scripts and did so much. Plus with THQ, all the you know, yeah, the trouble that THQ went through. And it does. It feels a lot like uh, uh, you know we're getting a map of South Park for the first time. You know the game has a map. You can walk around from place to place to place. So that means they actually had to f map out where things are in relation to each other for the first time ever in the history of that show. Um, and so that level of detail and that level of love that's put into it definitely has me hyped. I mean, the game's one Achilles heel could be like the combat, like the actual moment to moment gameplay combat might be a little weird or a little weak. Um, you know, that part I'm not so sure about, what, but everything else I expect. What do you think about length? How long do you think it's going to be? And could yeah. that be an Achilles heel? That's something I, sure. I think a lot about when you look at it and you see, and like, okay, we have it, people have played it, and they played it in doses, and like, I did the panel, and like, there's been videos out, but how long is this game going to be in the end, especially when you consider the wait for it? Yeah, that's a good question, too. Yeah. A couple days later, on March 6th, another uh, JRPG coming to PS3, Arno Surge. You've been following this one? It's no. Right. It's a prequel to the Artonelico. Oh, okay. Penelico so series. it's a Gus game? Yes, it is Gus. Yeah, so yeah, that should be. Yeah, Gus is a good studio. They're a real steady studio. Yeah. Um, so I didn't know they were still going back to Artanelico anymore. There's really? a few Artanelico games on PS3, I think, and uh, so we'll see. I mean, I, I think this will cater to the to you know the the very you know hardcore niche that buys all of Gus games anyway. Yeah. It's really going to take a chunk out of South Park sales. You think so? <laughs> well, I mean, just a few days after that, another game from Gus coming to PS3, uh, Atelier Esha and 
Logi. Logi? Yeah, Logi, Alchemist of the Dusk Sky. Yeah, so this is the Atelier. Is like, Atelier is like their bit, like Gus's big series right now. And that, that series is actually selling well, too, because... I'm sorry. The 15th game in the official Atelier series. Yeah, it's a, it's a, that's a, that's a long-running series. That series sells. Um, they keep bringing those games over. Like, every time they bring one over, I'm like, this has to be the last one, right? And they keep <laughs> porting them, so they're selling. And then they keep bringing them to Vita, too, and they sell there. So... There is like a you know it's what I always say about NIS games specifically, and there's probably a few of them on there on your list as well. Is like there's a group of I don't know fifty or hundred thousand people that will buy every one of these games. So if like you're if you're bringing them over, then there's good cause for you to do that. You know. Also on March 11th is Dark Souls 2. Mm-hmm. That was one we weren't sure if, if it should be considered on the list of RPGs, but it feels more like an RPG than an action game to yeah, us. Yeah, there was some debate about what counts as an action game, what counts as an RPG. Those lines are more blurred than ever. You know, sure. even some of the games we're going to get to later are very action oriented. Mm. But Dark Souls 2, I know, is one of the most anticipated games among the IGN audience. This is going to eat Logie's face. Dark Souls 2 is going to eat Logie's face. Greg Miller. <laughs> Winner, Dark Souls 2. Uh, March 18th is the uh, Final Fantasy X and X-2 HD remaster. Yeah, that's going to be big. I mean, So that sold like crazy in Japan. And I'm not so sure how well it's going to do here, but I think that people are really excited and stoked about it. I think it'll be good for Vita specifically. Yeah, PS3 and Vita, right? Yep. Um, so do people really, uh, you know, and my impression could be way off base, uh, and I could be a little biased because I really, really loved Final Fantasy IX, but my impression was that X was the one that sort of started the core of Final Fantasy games down this sort of weird path of like, I know that one sold like crazy, but I got the impression that that's what started these games, you know, decline in popularity. I don't think so. I mean, I think, I think so. these two are, in particular, are really beloved. Okay. Yeah, I, I, I agree in the sense Maybe that... 12, like... Yeah, 12, well, 12 is like a whole different beast. I, I yeah. agree that 10 was the downfall for the series with people that grew up with Final well, Fantasy. Yeah, yeah. And, like, 10 is the first Final Fantasy game that I bought, you know, and play, you know, played, and I had, think I played all of them up to that point, except for 3, which wasn't out in the States yet, mm-hmm. that I didn't beat. I was right, like, I can't, play, I, just, I can't I play this game. I like, this, game is, this game is actually not what I'm looking for. I'm not going to say it's bad. It's just after 9, which was such an, an incredible return to right. form, especially when people were complaining about 8, and they made 9, which was a reaction to the, to the fan feedback, they make 10. And that yeah. was very confusing. But I think, you know, we weren't writing a lot about 10, 10, 2. We didn't have a lot of access to the game. And I, I had been talking to Square, and getting, I got us copies of the game. We've had it for a while now. And I wanted to see if it would resonate. I believed that people wanted to read and you know about this game and watch videos about this game. We were right. The numbers are, are really big on this game. So there's definitely interest on IGN for this game. Now whether that translates into sales yeah. or not remains to be seen. But I'm confident you know that we might see a mirror of sales that we saw in Japan, which is to say that Final Fantasy X, X-2 is going to outsell Final Fantasy XIII. I mean, III. remember when they announced this? This is one of those games that lit up on Twitter. Like, oh, this one I'll buy a Vita for. Oh, I can't wait for this, that, and the other. And then Beyond would get questions about it all the time. And so, like, yeah, it's that interest is there, but it, they're really going to go out and buy stuff. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, we have to remember that they and they stealth announced that game in Japan at a Vita conference and then never talked about it again for, like, 18 months. So, yeah. like, there was a lot of concern about if it was ever going to come out or if it was any good. And, Got good reviews in Japan, but you know who knows. We'll see. Then April fourth is the Elder Scrolls Online, yeah. a game I'm very, very interested to see how how it is received on PC. Yeah, on the PC. PC version comes first, but the uh, PS4, Xbox One version is supposed to come, I think, this summer. Yeah, uh, not yeah, too yeah. far off, but uh, you know, we'll still see. not April. Yeah, which is some BS. It is because Justin and I are very excited for this game. Uh-huh. Yeah, I know. We keep talking about this. We seem to talk about this every episode, but I'm just fascinated by the the subscription model that they're going for. Sometimes I feel like Greg and I are the only two people We're the only ones fighting against the, the world. The only sane ones out here, I like to think, but I'm stoked. I can't wait. Yeah. We're gonna, we are going to wait, though, right? Are you going to play it on PC or are you going to wait for PS4? I, I think the fact that my PC probably couldn't run it 
at top specs, and I want trophies, will mm-hmm. ensure that I wait till PS4. Are you gonna wait till PS4? I want to play it on PS4, yeah, Are we because be, I feel like that would be a fun game to stream. Are we gonna be gameplay buddies and play the whole time? Okay, yeah. Right. Colin, uh, handshake. There it is. You like Skyrim, right? It was okay. Yeah, it was. It was good. I I, I didn't get all the way through it because the P, the PS3 version was so. Yeah, buggy. Uh, that's, that's, uh, forgot about that. But I think that specifically with having to pay the game and then pay you know the subscription and all these things, I think if anyone can possibly get away with it, it's actually them because of the cachet that that name has. So, like Elder Scrolls is a big name. It's not like it didn't really work for like you know well, it didn't have with DC Universe where you had to buy the game and you know. <laughs> It, went it worked to, fine for DC. I mean, like they went well, they would play, play eventually, sure. But like, remember when they they sold out of copies? That was a game you could not get in stores anymore. They had to go and reprint discs right, really, right. really quickly. Like people were accepting of it because you got that month free. And I think that's always the big breakdown we talk about, right? If you're a console player and you're going to get a month free of Elder Scrolls Online, you, you, what's to lose really? You're buying like how long do you usually play these games? And especially what we're talking about, you're, you're saying you know they can get away with it because their name is Elder Scrolls. I think it means a lot. We shoot those. Fancy uh, conversations about mm-hmm. t- Sony Tech or whatever. And one of the guys who does, I think, I don't even know, mics or cameras, something over there, he's not a hardcore gamer, but every time I'm there, he asks me about this game. Mm-hmm. Like, he knows this game. He loves Skyrim. He's still playing Skyrim. He wants to know more about this game. Yeah, I don't know. I'm really on the fence. I'm not, I'm not on the fence about whether I want to play it or not. I know I do. I'm on the fence about, you know, the analyst in me of whether this game's going to do sure. well or not. I feel like that, com- that Skyrim comparison harms the game. I don't think it helps it. Mm-hmm. I think compared to Skyrim, it's not going to feel very fun. It's an MMO. Yeah. Like, if you're an MMO gamer and you're looking for a new traditional MMO, then, yeah, I think this game might be super hot, super attractive. If you're a Skyrim gamer looking for the next Skyrim, eh, sure, sure. then I feel like it's just going to be a million other players running around stealing the guys you want to kill. You're going to be mad. You're, gonna, you're not going to understand what you're paying the subscription fee for. Um, I'm assuming that it's got a lot of sort of traditional MMO kill quests, and you're not going to understand why you're going and doing that stuff. Um, so that's, that's what I, I'm on the fence about, whether this game will be a success or not. Colin, mm. on April 14th, mm. the PlayStation 4 version of Final Fantasy 14 comes out. Yeah. See why they picked that date. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I think I think that's going to be I think that's going to be big for PS4. Apparently you can take baths. That's game. great. That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that's fantastic. Uh, yeah, I think this is going to be good. I'm I'm really happy for Square that they found success with Final Fantasy finally, 14. Finally. I I you know, Final Fantasy 14's failure I think was somewhat predictable when it first came out. I think that it seemed kind of I don't want to say rushed, but it didn't seem timely in that environment where other. And I'm not an MMO player, but you see other MMOs come out and they and they seem huge and they actually end up failing. And so it didn't seem like it was really going to work, especially because Final Fantasy XI was actually so big and people would still prefer to play that. Just like Fantasy Star Online existed forever. Yeah, EverQuest and, and EverQuest Two. Yeah, exactly. I lived with a guy that played EverQuest Two like constantly, and that was only a few years ago. So it's it's you know I'm, I'm happy for them because they needed that that financial you know boon to to help them you know offset some of these other costs for games that are not selling, and so. You know, PS4 I think is a good home for it, and uh, you know I think it'll, I think it's going to do well there. I think it's going to do great. I played that game on PC. Uh, it feels well equipped on consoles. I played it for a month and then uh, moved on, um, but I did love that month, and you know would have been willing to play more, but just you know got busy. Sure. Um, that game's fantastic. I applaud Square Enix for doing the right thing, and like they really, I cannot imagine the cost to unlaunch the game, staff up the development team, you know, take years to rebuild it, relaunch it, and just not give up. And then do it right, and the game comes out, and it's fantastic. Like that's unprecedented. I've never really heard of anybody doing something like that before. Um, and I, I think I feel like that game's going to do really well. The post-launch support has been really solid. They're adding stuff at a regular clip, adding bosses, you know, adding things for the max level players to do so they stay subscribed. Um, 
you know, that's a subscription MMO that by all accounts seems to be doing well. So, well, so now Bethesda confirmed that Elder Scrolls Online on PS4 will not require PlayStation Plus to play. Mm -hmm. Have you heard about Final Fantasy XIV? Oh, they have announced, but I don't remember what they said. No, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the deal is. It's so nebulous right now, too, because there's just no games. Like, PlayStation Plus acts a lot like Xbox Live Gold, I guess, does now. But there seems to be a bunch of, like, ways out of that with other yeah. games. And so I don't know. Like, I, I, I kind of assume that you're going to see, especially with first-party games, they're just going to go, you don't need it. Yeah, you know, but <laughs> I don't think you're gonna need it for this. It no, wouldn't make any sense because so. again, now we have two cases, right? DC Universe Online and Elder yeah. Scrolls. We charge you subscription. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I do think um, you know, going back to that Elder Scrolls point, the the you know, as we move on for these MMOs, a lot of MMOs launch and they're a lot of fun and people love them, and then it seems like no one understands where the player base goes. They fall off. They stop playing. And like, why'd that happen? Our game's so fun. You didn't have end game content. Sure. Like, to me, I'm not a game designer. It's easy for me to sit here on this couch and, and tell you what you're doing wrong, but it really seems obvious to me. Like, have lots of content for your players to chew through once they reach that level cap. And if you do that, people yeah. stick around and keep subscribing. And if you, don't, if you don't have anything for your players to do, they'll fall off. And that's something that Final Fantasy XIV, uh, they have room to improve, but they've done a pretty decent job of that so far. And Elder Scrolls, that could be what make or breaks that game as a subscription MMO. On April 15th, Conception 2 comes to Vita and 3DS. Yeah, Conception 2. So this, is, this was a surprise to, to get this game, this game over here, and it's an Atlas game. We didn't get the first Conception, so there's not going to be any context for it. But this is a strange kind of game where you are synthesizing and having babies have with have kids. Yeah, with like... And then they fight for you, right? Yeah, like... It's that kind of Conception? Yeah, yeah that's exactly, exactly what the Ooh. name is. Yeah. I think it's like the stronger the relationship you form with these girls, the more powerful children you'll have, and then they'll be able to fight better for you. Like real life. Is this one you're talking about on Beyond that was kind of like a Persona ripoff? No, no, that's okay. mine. Well, this one is sort of related to Persona. I watched yeah, the trailer, and yeah, it totally looks like Persona. It's got this <coughs> awesome song behind it, and then yeah, he's like pulling up his hand, and things are coming off, and he's fighting. I'm like, yep, that looks like Persona. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't know, you know, we should get a build of this game soon, and I'm not sure, you know, what to expect from this game, but. Uh, I'm glad that these kinds of games are coming out. And there's obviously an audience for them. I mean, Atlas is taking risks now because of how well Dragon's Crown did specifically. So, um, you know, and Persona obviously sold like 800,000 copies on Vita. Yeah. The developer is Spike Chunsoft, the same guys that did Danganronpa. Yeah, Spike Chunsoft is, uh, that's like a, a pretty well known Japanese developer. They do a lot of stuff. Yeah, they're doing the Danganronpa games and um, have quite a, a bit of respect. And they actually have quite, you know, a, a broad range of games because Danganronpa is really more like Phoenix Wright than anything else. So they, mm. this studio doesn't only make JRPGs, they make adventure games too. On April 22nd, Demon Gaze comes to Vita. This yeah. is a Japanese dungeon crawler. Yeah, Demon Gaze looks cool. And we haven't seen much of what this game's all about either, but this game came out in Japan last year. It did okay. Mm. Um, and NIS is bringing this over. And the beauty of a, 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 you know, a, a publisher like NIS, who I actually know really well, um, and I know the guys over there, is that they have realistic expectations that allow them to bring games like this over. And that's what I love so much about that studio. When I, was in, when I was in Japan and I was talking to the CEO of the company, I was like, you know, we were talking, in other words, about, you know, like realistic expectations. I brought up Square and how they expected, you know, Tomb Raider to sell all these copies and it sold millions of copies and it wasn't good enough, but they can sell Danganronpa or whatever for, and sell right. 100,000 copies. And it's a huge success for them. It's because they keep everything in context and they keep everything kind of on the up and up and they don't have unrealistic expectations and they're catering to their audience. That's why they bring over Hyperdimension Neptunia and, yeah. and all these games that actually sell pretty well by their standards. That sure. would be nothing for a company like Square. <laughs> yeah. Sure. I mean, I feel like dudes in the past, it would be a guy like Vic Ireland or uh, you know Atlas. And now we see companies like Exceed, like NIS. You know, they run Lean and Mean. They don't have a lot of employees. You know, they translate these smaller games. They release them. They know they're not going to sell very well, but they sell well enough that 
you know, everyone earns their paycheck and they earn enough to make that next game, you know, and then they have, like you said, this market of 50 to 100,000 people that they cater to and they're, like, that's their business and yeah. that works. Yeah, like, I know with NIS, for instance, like, I know those guys, like, at their office, you know, in Southern California, th someone will go on their website and order Danganronpa or Demon Gaze or whatever, mm -hmm. and they'll actually stuff the envelopes themselves and, like, yeah, sure. send, like, they, they, like, everyone does everything. The marketing guy does the PR, their QA, testing the games and stuff. It's a really kind of cool... Approach, cool. you know. Yeah, I'm really glad there's still companies like that bringing over these Japanese games. Me too. We just found out today that Ubisoft's Child of Light will be out April 30th. Game looks awesome. Yeah. yeah, the trailer for this is so so beautiful. This is definitely one of our, one of our most anticipated uh, RPGs among the uh, IGN editors for sure. Made with a, if you're watching this trailer and it looks like Rayman, that's because it's the same yeah. you know the same tech made that game as yeah, this game. Same engine. Uh, it's a bunch of devs that worked on uh, Far Cry 3. It, it, yeah, it looks excellent. Day, 2D side-scrolling, it's definitely an RPG. We just get all quiet and watch the trailer. I know, I know that's <laughs> what I was doing. Yeah, it looks, it looks really cool. I wish it was coming to Vita. Um, but yeah. I, I think that, you know... Well, it's, to, it's coming to like, most of the consoles, all the consoles. Right? Yeah, it is. I just feel like I, I, my, I always default to Vita for these kinds of games. Yeah. I, it's the same thing with Rayman. Like, yeah. I loved playing Rayman, specifically on Vita. In fact, when Rayman, it wasn't Legends, but the, what was the one before Legends. that? Origins came out, and I played it on PS3, and I'm like, eh. Didn't really resonate with me. And then there's something about... Playing it on Vita on a smaller screen in a little burst or whatever, I feel like games like these RPGs, Dragon's Crown is a good example of that yeah. too. Sure, I would agree. Like I play, uh, like I played Fire Emblem so much on my 3DS, and like I don't feel like I would have sat in front of a TV and played that game as yeah. often. Like it's just like yeah, you pop it open that. and play and close, and like I can see like an old school JRPG somehow feeling like it's more of a fit. Well, that's why Persona works so well, right? Yeah. Persona 4 Golden was such a hit because it was exactly that. Like yeah. go dungeon crawl for your train ride, and then you're done. Mm -hmm. sure. Forget about it. Come back. On May 14th, we get Div Divinity Original Sin. This is a Kickstarted game. It's an isometric, very old school RPG, and, and it ships with the editor that they used to create the game. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. It looks like and one of those, I'm, I mean, I'm going to assume I don't know anything about it, one of those German-made or, you know, Eastern European yeah. RPGs. Larian Studios is the developer. It's just coming to PC. Now, that's everything that, we, that has a release date so far in this year. Okay. That's only about half of the games that are supposedly coming out this year. The most anticipated RPG among the IGN audience is, without a doubt, The Witcher 3. The Witcher 3. We took a user vote. That's real stats. Yeah. For sure. And it won a People's Choice Award at E3. As if you would make it up. <laughs> well, we can see back-end stats, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could also just see like, what, how many articles sure, sure, yeah. people are clicking on. Uh, Damon's not lying to you. <laughs> just so you know, Damon's usually full of BS, but not today. Uh, you think I'll actually make it out this year? Witcher 3? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I'm a, the, yeah, sure. I don't know. It's been in development for a long time. I feel like it's realistic. That the hype around it's been going it's through for the so roof. long. Yeah, yeah, I would think it'd be a fall release, right? It looks So incredible. I cannot believe how good this game right, looks. Right? And that makes me really want to play it. But then I'm hesitant to, to, like, I'm hesitant to say that out loud because 10 years ago, what would I have been saying? I cannot believe how good Cameo looks. <laughs> it's going to be incredible. So it's like, obviously, the gameplay needs to be there. But, uh, you know, Witcher 1 and 2 are rock solid. So yeah. um, I'm not worried in that regard. It seems like it's more open. Um, you know, it's one of the first huge, high-budget RPGs coming out after the success of Skyrim. And I know it's not an open, open world in the way that Skyrim is. But it's obviously that they're taking some influence from that in terms of, you know, your freedom to run around this game world. Um, it does look outrageously good, right? It does look outrageously good. <laughs> it's PC, PS4, and Xbox One. You know you're in for some shit. When, like, at the start of this trailer, it's like, this is all real in-game footage. <laughs> and you're like, oh, all right. 
Here we go. Mm, mm. Um, yeah, it's I'm absolutely really, gorgeous. I'm really sad for that. I hope it's I not. I mean, Witcher 2 is, probably makes me sound like a filthy casual gamer. But, filthy. Uh, I, th I thought Witcher 2 was too hard. It was too challenging. I just like, I mean, I like the... It's very like high fantasy, you know. I like that part of it. It's I, a very smart game, like a very mature game, and mm -hmm. I like that, they're, that that's out there. But they're not just telling you where to go all the time. Sure. It's not just quick time events. You know. I consider it actually kind of, I mean, the difference between low fantasy and high fantasy is high fantasy is like elves and dudes in robes and like, you mm -hmm. know, stabs, and low fantasy is like dirty and gritty and oh, like. Am I misusing the term? I thought, it, well, maybe. Sure. Um, but but I do hope that they and I read an interview where they you know they're not making a casual game they're not making a game that's super simple but they are it's not birds. they were concerned that people would people would die in the very <laughs> first battle of Witcher two they're like look we want to make a hard yeah. game and a challenging game but that's not the game we're trying to make so um, yeah. I hopefully it's a little bit more it's smoothed out and there is Dragon Age Inquisition the one that gets it right. The, the Dragon Age that it'll gets be, it right? It'll be the balance between what everybody loved or hate about it's every other It's supposed to be a medieval Far Cry 3. And that sounds, sounds awesome. Awesome, right? That sounds really, really good. Yeah. That's a lofty uh, goal. Right? Far Cry 3 is an exceptional game. An exceptional <laughs> game. Dragon Age Origins wasn't so exceptional. And I, I, didn't, play the, I didn't play Dragon Age 2. Okay. Uh, yeah. but so I, think, I thought the Origins was pretty well received. But on PC it was. I, I, yeah, that was the whole thing is that there was this, this barometer that swung back and forth of people who were like, Origins, either you loved Origins or it seemed like you thought Origins was too nitty gritty. Mm -hmm. So then Dragon Age 2 r dialed it way back and people were like, this isn't enough of what we loved about Origins. It just, I just felt like next to, you know, this game came out of Bioware Edmonton, right? Like, we expected great things out of Dragon Age Origins and it felt, I, I keep saying, like, I felt like a B-team experience next to Mass Effect and Mass Effect 2. Yeah. Like, I, I didn't, I had, maybe my expectations were just too high for it, but it, it, I didn't get anything that I wanted out of that game. I felt like that game was too long, kind of obtuse, you know, uh, and boring. Like, I, I, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't understand the hype around that game. So, I never played Dragon Age 2 and now with Inquisition, I don't, I don't care. Like I, I'll wait until we see like more of it to, yeah. to you know, and make my decision then. I agree that Origins was overrated. I'm surprised. I've never really heard many people talk about not liking that game that much because I played about ten hours of it and I'm like I I get it, but I'm you know I'm content. What did you play now? Uh, PC. See, there was a big. This was one of the big discrepancies early on is that the PC version was like pretty much the way it controlled was awesome, and then the consoles weren't. Okay. And so a lot of people in the office played it on consoles. I remember. And were like, I'm just hey. saying I didn't love it on PC. Mm. Like I thought it was. I'm like, okay, yeah, it's fun, but I don't care. I don't particularly care to play anymore. Um, I actually liked the combat system. I didn't find it to be obtuse. I thought um, it was the world itself. I'm just like, well, you know, I'm, yeah, not yeah. That in, I'm not that invested in this story. Yeah. Um, Three looks, three looks really great. I totally. If, if it is medieval Far Cry three, yeah. I'll be all over it. Yeah, like The Witcher. I mean, I totally think this game looks gorgeous. Um, yeah, it's very pretty, and that definitely works in its favor. Hey, hey. did hey. they say it's like Far Cry three or? Did no, we, that's that was an IGN article. Oh, okay, it's gotta be. Because I'm just saying that that's set, that's setting up people for Dragon disappointment if it's not that. Because Far Cry three is really one of the great shooters. I think of. I, I literally I think it's one of the great shooters. It sounds like a Mitch Dyer joint. I agree. And uh, I was so I was so surprised actually by how good that game yeah. was. So I just I just want to make sure you know expectations are realistic when. I mean I think it, you know and again I'm sort of paraphrasing Mitch at this point, but I think what he liked about it is it's open in the sense that like you can take over bases or you can choose not to. Like you can come across a keep and choose to take it over, and when you take it over, then you get people that you can send out into the world, and it's sort of you get to shape the world in the way that you see fit and sort of take over portions of it and like control that territory on top of sort of the linear story. And so I think that's what gave him that sort of Far Cry feel. Gotcha. Now of all these games that may or may not come out this year, maybe Kingdom Hearts 3? 
Kingdom Hearts. There's no way Kingdom Hearts 3 is coming. Out. <laughs> I, think, I think Kingdom Hearts 3 is like probably literally a 2017 game. Like I don't, Whoa, I don't dude. think that. I don't think that game's like even remotely, and maybe 2016. Like I don't think that game's anywhere near being ready. I thought they said that too. I thought they said that like the game when they announced that the game is like not even really being developed. That yeah. company line supposedly is that it's. You know, they're aiming for 2014 still, <laughs> even though that doesn't seem realistic. There's no way. I, I just can't. I mean, I think it would be the timing would be good with Kingdom Hearts 2.5, but yeah. um, I think that game is like, yeah, so I wouldn't say 2017. I'd say like 2016. It's the same thing with Final Fantasy 15. Like, that, that, those games aren't coming out this year. They're going to be car sick. <laughs> <laughs> when it does come out, it'll be the first Kingdom Hearts on a Microsoft console. It's supposed to come to PS4 and Xbox One. Yep. Mm. So that'd be cool. I think we're going to get Star Wars and Marvel stages. That'd be uh, awesome. Be cool, very cool, right? But uh, huh? Kingdom Hearts yeah. HD 2.5 Remix, that one should hit PS3 this year. Yeah, that'll be out this year. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, I, so what was cool about Kingdom Hearts 1.5, I'm not a Kingdom Hearts fan at all, but what I was really surprised about when I was reading the sales numbers was that game charted on MPD when it came out, mm. which is unbelievable. It's, a, it's an HD re- like it's an HD compilation. Is really that surprising though? It's like ki- people love Kingdom Hearts. No, I know, but I didn't know they loved Kingdom Hearts <laughs> like that. You know what I mean? Like it was like it, it sold really well. I think that's why they, you know, are bringing 2.5 over and, and, I mean, and yeah, with all due an, haste. But. Another one of those games where you talk about it and it resonates with people that they remember it so fondly. Yeah. So the HD collection includes Kingdom Hearts 2 Final Mix and Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep Final Mix. Yep. These titles, these Japanese titles. Bro. Yeah, they're they're bad. The they're Square Enix name Bravely Default. Just one of my favorite things. Well, yeah. Yeah. that's a bad name. Uh, Final Fantasy 15. No, no way. No way, right? Uh, yeah, I can't. Well, first of all, they wouldn't release two can- main mainline Final Fantasy games. I don't think in the same year. And if they did, like, we haven't seen anything from this game at all. And I assume that this game is being, you know, you know, it was it's Final Fantasy versus 13, right. whatever that's being brought. And they have to. There's a lot of work to be done on this game still. So they want to bring it next to next gen and stuff yeah. like that. So see, I, I wouldn't count on it. The counterpoint is that that game has been in the works for what? Four or five years? Maybe longer, yeah. yeah, Six years. So it's like... Uh, Originally announced as Final Fantasy Versus 13 back in 2006, so... Yeah, Yeah, it's been a long... I mean, so this was a game that was announced before PS3 came out. So... And I, you know, we remember the, we remember this, and, and it, it's like the, it's like Agent or Last Guardian, where it's like, where is this game? It disappeared. Yeah. But I think it's actually suffering from the same problem that Last Guardian is most likely suffering from, which is they scrap the game and they're bring and they're bringing it to PS4. So, you know. That's what we assume is happening with the Last Guardian, and I assume it's a big it's a big job. You know, Team Eco didn't put a game out all generation because they were all stuck in the mud with this with their game, and so you assume the same thing might be happening to this team. I, I'm optimistic about 15. I mean, the, based on what I've seen and read so far, it feels like it's getting the franchise back on track. Um, I, you know, I like the world that they're building a lot. You know, this sort of modern take, and I, I, I normally like uh, fi- uh, uh, like medieval Final Fantasy, but mm-hmm. for some reason, this world I just like its visual style a lot. I like the style of the characters. I like the gameplay that we've seen, sort of the action-oriented gameplay that seems to be a combination of like Lightning Returns, which I worry is going to be too much action, and then the old-school games, which are often very slow-paced. So um, it's definitely one that I'm, I'm hyped for. What about Persona 5? Now we are talking. Yeah, well, so Persona... Yeah, make it out this year, though. Uh, yeah, I think it will, at least in Japan. I, I, don't, I don't think it's going to be a global release. I don't have any information on that. But... You know, Persona 5 was announced alongside three other Persona games, mm-hmm. and this is the first mainline Persona game since 2008. So, you know, there's this team's been working on this presumably since Catherine came out, since the you know since the Persona team made Catherine. So, it's probably going to be ready to go within the next year. But I, you know, people are super excited about this. I've had a, you know, I've been talking to people and they don't realize how huge Persona is. You know, like in Japan especially, mm-hmm. like that is going to be an event when that game comes out. Yeah. 
that game is going to murder when that when it comes out in Japan. You know, and I'm I'm actually just interested to see how well it sells. You know, because you're probably talking. Well, it's coming to PS3, right? Yep. And you're probably talking. You you I mean week one you're probably talking. I don't know, at least a half a million copies in Japan. Yeah. You know, so which is an extraordinary amount of copies for a game. So for Japan, for sure. Yeah. When that, I was looking for footage for all these games, I couldn't find anything. For there is no footage. Five, I don't yeah. think. Um, there's like that 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 one picture. Um, like black and red. Yeah, and uh, and you know they're they're you know Sega bought Atlas, and it seems like they understand the intrinsic value of that series. And so, and a lot of these games were in progress for a long time before that. But you're gonna have you know Persona Q on 3DS and and Dancing All Night on Vita, um, and then Persona 4 Arena 2 on PS3. So it's gonna be a Persona filled year, I think. And what about Deep Down? Deep Down. I played Deep Down in Japan. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, it's it wasn't very good. From what I played, uh, but it was a so there's a there's caveats to that. I can't read the controls on the screen. <laughs> I couldn't talk to the person showing the demo. Uh-huh. I couldn't invert my controls. Um, but with that said, the game is like it was brutally hard. Like the woman was laughing at me when I was playing it because I was like I couldn't I couldn't play. But I didn't really. It seemed kind of heavy. Um, it's like Dark Souls, right? Like it's intended to be this similar deal. Yeah, I think so. But I think it's like I think it's procedural and and you know I think that. It's it's free to play too. It's a free to play yeah. game, and yeah. So Capcom's making it. I'm confident if it's free to play, I'm interested to see like what that model looks like. Um, but I mean, know. that's the thing. Like, is it going to ruin the gameplay? Like, can you imagine a Dark Souls that was free to play, but then you could like pay to revive your dude and not have to like this lose boss your stuff? Too hard? Yeah. <laughs> oh, like that undermines the whole thing. So yeah. hopefully it's not like that. Yeah, um, we'll see. We'll see. And that Dark Souls comparison also might be like when that game was first announced and revealed. That was the label that people put on it. And now that's sort of stuck in my head, but that, the game might not even be like just because it's a hardcore action RPG doesn't mean that that comparison is really fair or apt. So yeah, and I need I want another shot at it too because I just sure. didn't I wasn't it's the same thing when I played Lords of Shadow two there which I actually really enjoyed but I just couldn't read the screen I couldn't figure out the controls you know like there's there's obviously a major component of this missing that I can't understand so I actually am super confident deep down I just don't know you know what it's gonna be. Because I don't, I'm not sure. Like Justin was saying, that the Dark Souls comparisons are actually going to be accurate. Whenever so, I'm at E3, though, and they have a controller diagram, and then they have like 11 yeah, arrows yeah, yeah. pointing at what every button does, I'm like, I'm not gonna. I'm gonna assume that this trigger pulls, like, fires my gun. Right, right, right. right. It's a PS4 exclusive, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. The Wii U needs needs games, not just oh. RPGs. They just need games. Yeah, in general. sure. Right. Got that Mario Kart, that Smash Bro. Yeah, X looks hot, actually. It does. Um, yeah. So Monolith, Monolith is yeah. doing that, and uh, I, I assume like it's going to be awesome. Amazing, right? Yeah, uh, it's from it's part of the Xeno series. Yeah. Uh, so like Xenoblade Chronicles, uh, they the developers said they want it to be something like Fallout. Okay. So that sounds cool, right? Yeah. yeah. The Wii U could use something like Fallout. Yeah, I mean this is a, this is going to be I, I the assumption is this is going to be a great game, right? Yeah. Just like you know, just like the one on Wii was. Um, but is it going to sell? Is it going to move units? I mean, I, I think it'll sell fine for the developer. I'm not sure if this is the game Wii U really needs. Yeah. Um, but it's cool that they're getting it. It's crazy. There are no Wii U games that look like this. Um, there's a good chance, in my opinion, that this could end up being the best non-Nintendo awesome. game on the console. It does look absolutely awesome. Um, I hope it makes it out this year. I mean, I wonder, is, are they Nintendo's publishing? Or how's that? Do we know the nature of that? I think, they are, I think they're funding I think the game. They probably I actually Monolith is a second-party studio, I think. Right. Look at that! Oh, it looks so good. <laughs> this looks so awesome. Yeah, yeah, and it's got that. It's got that. It's it's got that feel of you know even, you know the spirit of even something like you know not necessarily related but Xenogears like just the, the mech 
Yeah. You know, RPG finance just looks awesome. Just the scope of it, like that trailer we just watched, like gives you such a feeling of epicness that yeah. you don't get in a lot of other RPGs. Yeah. Colin, Tales of Zillia 2 has been out in Japan since 2012. Yep. Um, so th- th- here's the thing with Exilia. Like when that game came out, I think Namco was surprised by how well it did here. And mm-hmm. it, you know, we were talking about Symphonia before. Symphonia was the best-selling Tales game in the States and the quickest-selling, I think, until Exilia came out. Um, and people were ready for that game, and people wanted that game, and it ended up being really good. Um, so I think they fast-tracked Exilia 2's, you know, out of nowhere kind of, fast-tracked the, the localization. They do the localization right. They get voice actors. They don't just, tra- you know, they don't just translate the text and stuff like that. So it's going to take time, but um, Tales is growing in really? the vacuum of what people want from something like Final Fantasy or Dragon Quest, because we forget that Dragon Quest totally changed, too, and with Dragon Quest X and left sort of a void. There's a void now for a game like Tales, and so we're seeing you know, that popularity of that series you know, grow worldwide because people aren't getting what they want out of the series that they should be able to go to, and I think Tales is, is the right game at the right time. You know? So I'm excited. You know, I'm really excited about Exilia 2. Exilia was a good game. And, uh, so is it a sequel? It follows those characters, or like how? So it's a sequel in that world. So I assume it's going to be like Tales of Destiny two. Like there's another Tales of Destiny game, for instance. Um, and I think it's going to be, you know, or you know, fa- you know, Symphonia has its sequel, and it's kind of like a similar world, some of the same characters, some crossover, but new characters and stuff like that too. Um, Exilia two is coming to PS three. Yep, PS three exclusive. Yeah. Anybody play Wasteland back in 1988? I didn't, no. I kickstarted the sequel. Did you? Yeah. I love that picture. Yeah, it's a very cool picture. Um, so you, you, you did not play the original, but kickstarted the sequel. Yeah. Interesting. Well, so tell You're us about that. You're a fake fan. <laughs> what? Well, you don't even know your history. <laughs> <laughs> tell us about it. Oh. Uh, I mean, it just seems like this is the progenitor to uh, Fallout. Mm-hmm. So uh, it's post-apocalyptic, uh, three-fourths overhead RPG, isometric viewpoint RPG, you know, very old school, very classic. Um, the main reason I kickstarted it wasn't because of, you know, obviously I never played the original. It wasn't for hype for that franchise, but just because I want to see old stuff like that come back. And so I was just voting with my wallet. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's supposed to be out this year for PC. It's, it's, we're going to talk about uh, another RPG that's very similar that I'm much more excited about than Wasteland. Pillars of Eternity? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Did you kickstart that one? Yes, I did. Interesting. Pillars of Eternity is going to be the real deal. Look at you on Kickstarter. I've never kickstarted anything. I'm up to 20 plus oh. now, I think. Wow. Yeah, I mean, with Kickstarter, I just sort of feel like, like this, oh, I really wish that this could happen. I wish it could, it could exist. And now, like, you have the opportunity as a consumer to put in, you know, to help that. Like. What I like about Pillars of Eternity is it's a fantasy RPG with pre-rendered backgrounds. I know. It's, that it's, sounds awesome. I, it sounds so old school and yeah. cool. Well, like all these Infinity Engine games, you know, Baldur's Gate, Planescape Torment, uh, Icewind Dale, uh, people loved them, and then they went away, and they were gone, and people thought they were gone forever. You know, and now we're learning is that stuff like Pillars of Eternity can exist alongside The Witcher 3. You don't need to have one or the other. And that's why I'm so excited about a game like Pillars of Eternity made by uh, Obsidian, correct? It is Obsidian. So they've been working on South Park and that. You know, some of the, some of the best writers in the RPG business of all time. Um, it's, it's just, that's a, you know, a, a very well-respected studio that went to Kickstarter. Yeah, it's very strange to me, actually, that they even had to. Um, but like, like Justin's saying, this is probably more of a niche game. Well, not even niche. It's just that it's an old way of looking at an RPG that people still mm-hmm. want to play. But they're, they're a big studio. I'm surprised the publisher didn't latch on to that idea. I mean, it's because they wanted to make it that way. They wanted to make it pre-rendered backgrounds, you know, overhead perspective, and publishers are like, woof. You know, I don't blame them. Publishers are running a business. They got to do what yeah. they got to do. I mean, I think, you know, I like 
a lot of games. I like shooters, I like RPGs. I'm excited about The Witcher because it looks gorgeous and really high budget. But I'm also excited about Pillars of Eternity because I feel like that's a game that I'll like curl up with and like envelop myself in and like totally just like focus on that game world and like the writing and the characters. I hope the characters are as strong as they are in a game like Planescape Torment. Like, I feel like that game uh, is is gonna be the real deal. And you know, every single update that I read and thing that I hear about that game um, feels like they're really going about it the way that uh, you know they should, the smart way. Um, you're gonna have this new baby, and then you're just gonna like abandon the wife <laughs> yeah. and the baby. Like, I gotta get enveloped in this game, honey. Yeah, I mean, Help the, me! <laughs> the never-ending dungeon just doesn't. <laughs> just wait. Justin and his wife are pregnant. Uh, what's going on with that game? Because they raised over $4 million through yeah. Kickstarter, and then in December they pulled their backers asking if they'd be willing to donate more. Uh, they did delay the game. Okay. Uh, and I think that happens often, is these Kickstarters sometimes experience catastrophic success, where if they raise, this happened with, this is exactly what happened at Double Fine, actually. They, since they raised many times more money than they were expecting, they had to deliver many times more game. And you can't just, there's not just lever that you can pull and translate money into more game. And so that's a challenge. Like, okay, now we have to deliver a $4 million game, not a $1 million game. Sometimes, even with the additional money, you can't do that in the time frame you allotted. Um, and so that's what I think is going on there. It was originally going to come out this spring, and now it's coming out later this year. Can you cap the amount of donations you receive on Kickstarter? Mm, I don't believe Kickstarter so. Kickstarter takes a cut of all that. Right? Yeah, they don't, they don't want, want that. you to cap it. No. Please stop giving us money. <laughs> I don't believe you can. I think that delay is the right thing for that game. Uh, you know, again, because an RPG like that is so intricate and elaborate, and that storyline has to be so cohesive and fit into the game world, and the characters have to fit into that game world. Like that level of planning is higher than it is in uh, a typical game. Mm -hmm. You know, but this, oh, so but, this is, but this is where the shadiness of Kickstarter starts to come I know in. You're not right? a big fan, yeah. No, I'm not. But I mean, just in the extent, like with Obsidian, an established studio with money, you know, with means for sure, mm -hmm. like. Going back and being like, would you give us more money? You know, like now you really are treating your your base like a publisher. And if you're really going to treat them like that, and they're not getting a return at all on the product other than the game, there is a problem. Like this, no, this I, is this is this is for another conversation probably. Sure. But that really bothers me to hear that. You know, like you got four times more money than you even asked for. And I understand what Justin's saying, like, but that's not acceptable. You know, that's weird. That's like when you, that's, you know, a public, that's what you do to a publisher. Sure. You know, not a, you know, you go to the publisher and be like, we need six more months and 10 million more dollars. And they're like, okay or no, you know? Yeah. <laughs> uh, but like, not to the people that are like already funding your dream to make this game. I think I'm, I have a problem with that. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it doesn't bother me. Like people always point to the Kickstarters, you know, not to derail this whole thing and make it a sure. Kickstarter thing, but uh, people point to the things that failed or the ones that turned out to be pretty scammy. But I've kickstarted probably 25 or 30 things and most are on time, and I get my product, and I'm happy. You know, board games uh, and video games and uh, the Minecraft documentary, uh, you know, uh, Indie Game the Movie was kickstarted. I got my limited edition DVD of that, and most things run really smoothly. You know, I, I feel like the... F I don't know if anybody's run the number, but I don't feel like the stats on failure on Kickstarter are higher than, you know, anything else. Like, a project either stays on time and on budget or it doesn't, regardless of where that money comes from. All right. Sure. Uh... Maybe a lesser-known RPG that's coming to PC, 360, and PS3 is The Dark Eye Demonicon. Demonicon. Which is based on a German pen-and-paper role-playing game uh, that was out, released in 1984 and actually is more popular than D&D in Germany. Wow. How funny that you can always spot these German RPGs a mile away. Well, yeah, I know. It's actually already out on PC. And it's supposed to be coming to 360 and PS3 this year. Yeah, that's, that's coming yeah. out. Doesn't look like my kind of game. Yeah. 
there's a new MMO from former Blizzard developers called Wildstar. It's pretty high profile. That's another one we've been hearing about forever. Yeah, it seems it's been like a long time ago. Coming, right? The first time I wrote an article about Wildstar, yeah. interviewed somebody about it, and it's always looked cool. Everyone yeah. who goes and sees it comes back and talks about how cool it is and that they're excited for it. But sci-fi MMO. Yeah. It's a neat. It's a neat name. I like Wildstar. Yeah, Wildstar makes me think of like an eighties cartoon. <laughs> I like the name. Yeah, like Silverhawks. What was the one with Wildcats? What was the one with the sheriff on Mars or whatever? Um, people well, are yelling know. at the TV yeah. screen. And, I don't yeah, know. I have no idea. There was one. There was an I believe it. Mars sheriff. Wildstar looks really cool. Yeah. I, I haven't played Wildstar. I haven't been in any of the betas, so you know that's the caveat. But based on what I've read about the game, it feels like they really understand how people play MMOs. Or what they understand is that people play MMOs differently. And then they have these different roles. Some people just want to explore. Some people just want to craft. Some people just want to fight. And they have these archetypes that you can be just an explorer, and then they'll do things like have race from point A to point B, and whoever can race there the fastest wins, you know. And uh, maybe you don't care about leveling up your character and earning, like, the highest stats and getting the drops to get the thing. Mm-hmm. And they seem to understand mm-hmm. that different people play MMOs in different ways, and I think that's a key insight that could help that game succeed. Mm. There's an expansion for World of Warcraft. It's supposed to be out this year. Yeah. Finally adds player housing, sort of. Yeah, Warlords of Draenor. I think that's how it's pronounced. Uh, race is level capped to, level capped to 100, and now you can build and upgrade your own base, or yeah. garrison, whatever yep. they call it. I don't know. I'm over. Wow. I guess. Are, like, are they working on like another WoW, like a new platform for this? I mean, the last expansion did replace like the whole or old world. Like that kind of, they just built WoW two into WoW, mm, sort of. I didn't know like, that. Which one was that? Uh, the Cataclysm. Are they, okay. I guess two expansions ago, Cataclysm did. That. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I played WoW. I've played days and days and days of WoW, hundreds of hours. But each expansion, I play a little bit less than the expansion before. Like I get hyped mm. for it and I buy it. And then I just like, you know, and one I'll get up to rating, and then one I won't even get to the rating point, and then the next one, you know, I play even a little bit less than that. Um, it's not a knock against the game, it's just 10 years old. Sure. It's yeah, 10 it's years old, and it feels 10 time. years old. And, yeah, you know, they're doing the best they can, and, you know, there's talented people making talented content, but, um, you know, they can't make it not feel its age anymore, sure. in my opinion. Yeah, and it's unbelievable that it's still going. I mean, it's a, it is a testament to the game, but I remember my first E3 when I was 19, they announced that game. I'm 29. Yeah, like. Yeah. It's just like maybe it's, you know, but, but I just read that the subscriber base actually went up. It still has, what, 7.8? Yeah, still. In between 7 or 8 million still, subscribers. They're still they making announced. money. Still, you know, millions and millions of dollars a month that they make off that. They will, when that game does eventually dwindle, um, they will flip the free-to-play switch, and then it will go absolutely nuts again. Hey, this game you've been hearing, out, hearing about for a decade, you can finally play without giving us a cent. And yeah. it'll, go, it'll, go, it'll go crazy. Now, Colin, we were talking about... Soul Saga Episode One. Mm. Oh yeah, this yeah. So this is another. This is Kickstarted. Yeah. So this is a Kickstarter game. So so I was actually really. There are Kickstarted games. I won't Kickstart anything on principle, but like there are Kickstarted games that I really am excited about. Mighty Number no. Nine is like obviously the yeah. great example, and that was the test, right? Mm, sure. Everyone's <laughs> like, "You're gonna do it now," and I'm like, "No, I'm not." Because first of all, he doesn't need me to do it. Yeah. He's obviously gonna get the game. I'll buy it. Uh, but Soul Saga was a game I was really excited about because this is supposed to be a, a, again a return, like a, a Bradley default style return to form for old school JRPGs that we grew up with. And uh, it's episode one, so it's like, you know, the first part of however many parts. But apparently the game is like a disaster. And There's been some controversy. Yeah, like apparently like the guys, the, it's one guy making the game, he's yeah. in way over his head. One guy. Um, and there's just interesting stories. Someone linked me to a NeoGAF forum um, thread that's like 15, 16, 17 pages long now about 
uh, and I was reading it about, you know, this guy like used some of the money to go to Japan to hire an artist and then he fired the artist and the art changed. One of the characters literally looks like Cloud now from Final Fantasy VII, like literally looks like, like Buster Sword, shoulder pad, spiky hair. I was, I like looked at, someone put like the, them next to each other. I'm like, eh. this is unbelievable. So it's yeah. a feeling that then now they're getting something that they didn't back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's part of the thing. Like this is, you're part of the development process now. And so... I don't know how to feel about that. Like, that is a little bit of he said, she said, where let's say you back this project because of the art style. Man, I love this. I'm going to give you my money. And then that art style changes. Like, are you entitled to be mad? Are you entitled to complain and get a refund? Say, hey, man, this is why I wanted this. Now I don't want it anymore because you changed it. It's not what you promised me. Or is that a part of the creative process? Yeah. Like, that's tricky. Like, I don't have the answer to that question. Yeah, and I think, I think the, even the stickier point with this specific game it's not only that they're changing the art and doing all these things, but that the guy doesn't seem to actually have a grasp or the, of what he's doing or the experience to really produce a game like this. Yeah, it feels like this one's going to get worse before it gets better. Yeah, I don't know. I hope it comes out because the video, I remember like the, the stuff, like the concept of, of the game looked and, and sounded yeah. really cool. Yeah. Um, but, you know, it seems like there's just mismanagement problems. There's a lack of knowledge. The, someone was saying like the things he's even saying that he's doing. Um, you know, like, I'm doing this, 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 and this this week or whatever. It's like, you can't. <laughs> like, that's not the way it works. You know, like, you can't, like, I'm going to write the AI and do this and, you know, write, you know, this program and this program. I'm not sure. I, I don't make games, but that just doesn't sound right to me. You know, like, you have to have a foundation. You build on the foundation. You keep building the game. And uh, I hope it comes out because I think it looks really cool. But I, I'm betting that this game probably doesn't come out. Sure. Yeah. We'll see. Keep yeah. following that one. Mm -hmm. Finally. Our last RPG here is another JRPG for Vita called Mind Zero. Mind Zero. So this is from Acquire, I think. And Tenchu. Yep, Acquire did Tenchu. So uh, they're an OG Japanese developer. And they, they more recently did, um, a, what was that, uh, Sumioni, that, remember that, that Demon Arts game that was on Vita, that really, oh, really Vita game? Oh, the one that was like, you drew on yeah, it. you drew. It was a really cool idea. It didn't work out very well, but... Um, they, they're pretty dedicated to Vita, and so Mind Zero uh, is being brought over by Axis, which is another company even smaller than NIS that, yeah. that brought over like Muramasa on Vita and these other you know, games. They're doing Blaze Blue, Chrono Phantasma, whatever that game is. So, Blaze Blue. I'm is sorry, it? I think it's Blaze Blue. It is. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, this game is supposed to be. What I've been reading about this game is that it's a ripoff of Persona. Um, yeah, this is the one we're talking yeah. about. Um, there are a lot of games that. Are, JRPGs that are compared to Persona, apparently. Yeah, and apparently this game also wasn't very popular in Japan in terms of its yeah, critical it's reception. Out in Japan, is that right? yeah. yeah, and so there's a theory on you know I don't know what the why they're bringing this over. the The assumption is that they're bringing it over and they let Axis translate it because they need to get their money back. You know, because I might not even made the money back that they sold. But Mind Zero is a, a cool idea and premise. I just don't know um, how it's going to work out. But it's a Vita game, and the Vita audience buys a lot of games, so. You know, the same people that are buying the Atelier games on Vita and that are going to buy Danganronpa and that are going to buy Demon Gaze, they're probably going to buy this game too. So, um, so we'll see how it, all, how it all shakes out. That is 30 RPGs Whew. on the horizon. Yeah. The year of the RPG. Like, does that tell us that, uh, what are the takeaways here? That RPG genre seems to be pretty healthy. It's back. Right? It's back. I, th I, think it, I think it's, I mean, I don't know how you guys feel, but I feel like Western RPGs have taken over the mindshare so much and Japanese RPGs, by comparison, have looked so bad and tired. That I think the pendulum is not necessarily swinging, but we're finding a middle ground now where all these games can kind of exist, and that we need the tales of Exilia's and the Final Fantasy 15s and the Kingdom Hearts, along with the Fallout 4s and the, 
you know, the, the Dragon Ages and stuff. I I'm actually think we're in a great place right now. But even most of the Eastern RPGs, even most of the Japanese RPGs, feel and look more like Western RPGs now. And they see, you know, to an extent, but, uh, you know, it's not just dudes, like, like, thunking another guy with a sword anymore. Like, they are, they feel that sort of fluid, fast-paced, open, you know, player freedom. Um, they seem to be embracing a lot of that. Yeah, yeah. And I think, you know, we, we, we know Japanese culture is... is very traditional, and they, they, you know, they have a, a, a solid fan base there that likes the games they make, and I think it's taken them a long time to realize, well, our market's shrinking, the Western market's growing, and we have real fans there that want certain kinds of games, and they want Final Fantasy XV. They just don't want it like Final Fantasy XIII. They want it somewhere in the middle. you got to have that. There's nothing more charming than a Japanese game to me. Like, there's nothing more charming than that anime style, than the, the silly dialogue, than you know, all of the conventions that we've grew up loving about Japanese role-playing games, but they have to marry them with the, the progress that Western RPGs sure. have given the genre, and I think they're doing it. Yeah, I think that they're doing it. Yeah, I agree. When you see a game like Skyrim sell 20 million copies, they announced, that doesn't mean you need to go out and make Skyrim, but you can't ignore it. Like, you sure. need to understand, like, okay, like, if I'm making a traditional party-based anime role-playing game, what does that mean for me? Like... How do I capture a portion of the, the you know, that those 20 million gamers? Um, and you see that, you, you know, you see that in some of the stuff I was talking about, like that level of player, player freedom and, and other ways that they can sort of uh, uh, at least, again, yeah, you're right, move that pendulum a little bit more in that direction. Yeah, it doesn't need to swing all the way back or whatever. And what I love too, as we've seen, is that you know, PlayStation for a long time has been known as like the place where you go to get JRPGs, right? Like recently, sure. and especially the niche Still stuff. Still, apparently, it, it is for the most part like with Vita and PS3. But you got X on Wii U, and you got yeah. Bravely Default on 3DS, and you have you know great PC games. You know, especially these Kickstarter Western RPGs, and you know these game, you know these cross-platform games like Dragon Age are coming to Xbox One, and PS4, and so there's no matter what console you have or what you prefer to play. Seems like there's something for everyone, which I think is really cool too. So you don't just have to be like stuck into this niche where it's like I have to have a PS3 and I have to hold on to it and keep it plugged in. Well, you don't have to. You can play Bravely Default and get your fix, you know. And so I think that's kind of cool too. So I think the broadening of it is really a good sign too. I think we might be going back into a renaissance, very similar to what we had from say 92, 93 to 2000, you know, where it was a great time for JRPGs. We should throw a renaissance fair here at IGN. Oh, can we get turkey legs? Yeah. Yeah. All right. I mean. I was, sure. <laughs> That's all Greg needs to yep, know. Done, Ian. That's all. That's his. That's Greg's closing comment input. <laughs> I mean, like in the closing comment, too, too many dragons. Let's get Fallout Four. Oh, well, there is that, right? Yeah. Where are we at? Now? That's the king of them all. I mean, that's that's yeah. the that's the uh, the uh, what is it? The eight hundred pound uh, gorilla, whatever, in the room is like this. That we know this game yeah. exists mm -hmm. and it's going to be huge, and we just don't know anything about it yet. <laughs> I'll be very happy the day they announce. Oh, me too. Fallout Four. Me too. Before we go, real quick. Let's check in with the listeners. Hey, listeners. Hey, listeners. Remember, you can always reach us at the email address, <laughs> gamescoop at IGN.com, just like Landon Cheatham did. Oh, I thought it was going to be Calrissian. Landon Calrissian. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Landon asks, if you were in an RPG, what character role would you choose, given the options rogue, warrior, or mage? In this scenario, rogue uses bow and arrow, warrior uses sword and shield, and mage uses a staff. Rogue. You'd be a, no, you'd have to be a warrior. <laughs> no, I want to use the bow and arrow. You're always talking about how you're a brute strength guy. Yeah, in real life, not in the game. <laughs> Let me live, Damon. I don't know that I see Greg as a rogue. I would choose to be a rogue, because I like using ranged weaponry. Fine, so I you want me to get... run in there like, and tank everything <laughs> yes. while you shoot back from yes. afar? All right, yeah. I'll do it for you. They're just <laughs> punching you in the face. I'm just like, it's I wish bad. I had a bow and arrow. <laughs> it's too bad there aren't four classes, since there are four of us, but it's true. one of us is going to have to double up at least. Yeah. I don't know. I would be the ranger. Yeah, because I want to be like Katniss. No, I could see Colin being a mage. Are you going to be a mage? Or? I was going to say before he gave the choice, I was going to be like, I'm going to be a healer. 
<laughs> but no, I, I don't want. I, I don't like that we have these three categories, you know, because I think about, you know, the crossover between categories. Sure. A paladin or yeah. a monk, you know, or yeah. you know, all these. Why do we all have to be straight DPS? Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't. Yeah. So I'd, I'd like to use a little bit of magic. I'd like to have, you know, maybe yeah, a yeah. short sword like and a, you know, some some leather mail and battle mage. Yeah, something. Yeah, I mean, keep me in the back row. Okay, but so no. you're definitely you, you're definitely a back row guy. Yeah, so maybe mm-hmm. maybe I, maybe I'm like Locke or something where I have boom, you know, in Final Fantasy where I have a boomerang or something. But you know, or I could be like Shadow, be a ninja and have a cool dog. And Colin, sure. do you want to play DC Universe tonight and be? You can turn it on and be a healer. <laughs> no, I'll power level you. No, I'm, I'm all set. I appreciate the, okay, uh, no the offer it's though. I'm gonna it's play. On the table. I'm gonna play Dust Force tonight. Okay. Yeah. Everybody remember you can win this 3DS XL and a copy of Bravely Default just by commenting below this video. Let us know what your favorite RPG of all time is and why. Before we go, let's all share our favorite RPG mm. and why. Colin, what's yours? I bet you have it ready to go. Wild Arms is my favorite RPG of all time. Wow, for PlayStation. Yep, PlayStation 1. 1997, Media Vision. Uh, that's basically the only series they ever made. That Wild Arms is an exceptional game, and I think that it would be well-remembered it's well remembered, but I think it would be more popular if Final Fantasy VII wasn't right on the horizon when that game came out. I mean, I think I think the timing of Wild Arms' release is actually what injured it. Now I feel bad because I, I actually never played that one. That's an ex- it's one of my favorite games of all time, mm-hmm. and it's uh, it's very focused. It's about three characters. There's no swapping out of characters out of your party. Like you get to really know these characters, and the story's really sad. Um, and the series went on, and it, it, it's not as good. But that that first game is like is truly truly special, and that's a, a really 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 good early PS1 game. Justin? Uh, Grandia. It's a great great choice. Loved it so much. It had such a great sense of adventure. That's what I loved about it. And the main character is also named Justin. Um, (laughs) That's a good reason why. But that's because you named it. It's a checklist for Justin. (laughs) It's like such a, it is like adventure personified, like exploration personified. And that's what I like to do most on games is explore and adventure around. Like you get to the end of the world and then go past it. And that's just awesome. Like it's an awesome epic moment in that game. And there's, there's this still... The whole game in front of you, and like I also have such a nostalgia trip for that game and the battle system. It's probably the best battle system in any RPG ever. Greg, I would say Fallout Three. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I mean, it, it seems ridiculous to say it in front of Colin, but like it, with him in the room, right? But I, I do like American history a lot. It was one of my favorite <laughs> subjects in why school. Do you, why does that? Weird? No one else can. Because like you're like Mister. It'd be like if you, somebody's in the room like, I really like Superboy Connell. I'd be like, what? That's my thing. <laughs> I, I love when I hear that people say. So like being able to run around, you know, DC, a place that I got to live for a summer and see all the stuff and the alternate history of all of it, and run into a robot that thinks he's Thomas Jefferson. Right? That was that mm-hmm. was just awesome. That yeah. was so fun. That was really awesome. good. That's that's what your choice is too. No, well, oh. since he picked it, will we will we allow turn-based strategy RPGs? Of course. Then Disgaea. Yeah. Disgaea, the first one. Yeah, probably the first one. That's a good uh, choice. I know you love that series. I love Final Fantasy Tactics. That that <sighs> style of game. Yeah. Tactics is so good. Yes. Oh, it's so good. And Let Us Cling Together. That was probably the last great PSP game as well. You should go play that. Tactics is really good. The class system in that game is it's ridiculous. It's an extraordinary. If you can figure out how to use, like, what is it, the, the mathematician or whatever they, like. Yeah. There's, like, all these, or um, the dancer and, like, all of these, yeah. like, really deep, hard classes that probably no one used except for, like, 1% of the yeah. player base. But if you learn how to use them, they were ridiculous. And, uh... That's just a, that. I don't. There's two. There's a. There's a game on GBA and a game on DS for the, in the Final Fantasy Tactics series. Yeah. They're both good. Yeah, I like them. But they've never the gone same. back. Yeah. Like, why won't they just make another? I keep saying, make Final Fantasy Tactics a platform. Keep releasing maps and quests and all these kinds of things. Charge for them. Oh my you, goodness gracious! Like, <laughs> like you could, like I don't like that seems so obvious to me. Like, the baby char- would die. <laughs> <laughs> like that, wouldn't that be awesome if like you like you had a base Final Fantasy Tactics game? It cost fifty bucks. Mm-hmm. 
it just have supported with DLC for years and years yeah, and years. Going. I just keep playing. Yes. New classes, new quests, you know, level caps, all these kinds of things, hard modes. I mean, because you can go back, and, and I'm sure you guys agree, like when War of the Lions came out on PSP, which is just a port of the game and a kind of retranslation, I was like, this is a new game to me. I know everything that's going to happen, but this is like a new game because you can go about it in any way you want. Yeah. You know, and I, it, that's, yeah, Square won't remake Final Fantasy VI and that pisses me off. <laughs> you know, but like what pisses me off more is that tactics is just sitting there. They just let you know, and they just like they don't want to do anything with it. I also want to give a shout out to Suikoden. That oh, would yeah. be a close number two for me. Yeah, for sure. Whew. That's a lot of RPG talk. That was good. It was real good. Get a cigarette after all that. <laughs> uh, you don't even smoke. <laughs> I know. <laughs> that's all the scoops we have for you this week. Remember, you can always reach us at the email address gamescoop at ign.com. Thank you, Greg. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Colin. My name is Damon, this is IGN GameScoop, and we're out. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I want- 
wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz and how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.